Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Katie McGregor-Bennett, your host of Connecting Tech and Design. Today, I've got Allison Strickland here. She's from Narrative Design up in Canada. I've just gotten to know Allison a little bit through a dear friend of mine named Kate Shelton. You might have heard me men- mention Kate in the past. She worked for Kati Design back, um, back in the day, and we did some conversation about um, design build philosophies and things going on north of the border there with, with her former employer, Ramson Kati. Kate has been a fantastic linkage for me into the design community, and I really appreciate, Kate, that you reached out and introduced me to Allison. For those of you listening in today, I think you're going to be very impressed with what Allison brings to the table. She's quite a character. She's got a great background, and I really just love her philosophy and her approach to the business. So that's that's kind of my lead in. But Allison, if you would um, introduce yourself, um, share a little bit about your background, your business, and, and what, what got you to the business that you have today. Thanks, Katie. So much. Thanks so much for having me here today with you. It's kind of exciting to be doing this. Um, of my, you know, my background. I'm here because I'm. My background is architecture, which is led into interior design. But, um, you know, the story. Can we do that again? <laughs> sure. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much for having me here today. Um, to get to where I am today uh, as a as a as a small business owner in architecture and interior design, I think has been um, a process that was filled with resistance along the way. But you know, I actually couldn't help myself despite that. I got here, um, you know, with my feet kicking into this dragging in the sand for many many years. Um, but you know, it's just something that's inbred into me. And from when I was a child, this whole idea of uh, the feeling space led me to pursuing architecture. Um, and I was, it's it's been in my blood since I was born, you know, from making blanket forts in the house to making forts in the forest to, you know, decorating my own bedroom when I was young enough to be able to express my choices. Um, and, you know, um, my mother always wanted me to be an architect. And there was one reason a big reason for my resistance, you know, I didn't want to do what my mother wanted me to do. Um, so, uh, you know, even though all those personality tests and all those sorts of things pointed straight towards architecture, I was like, uh-uh, not going to happen. Um, so I studied something completely different at university for the first year. And then, you know, I realized that mother knows best. And um, I switched at that point. But, you know, it's always been a love-hate relationship, which I think any any person in architecture or design can attest to you. It's, it's a constant struggle. You know, you just can't help that creative soul inside of you, but it's filled with so many obstacles. So, um, you know, here I am now, I've been in the industry 20, 25 years, um, starting out as an employee, you know, junior employee and senior employee. And then I went into partnership with um, an ex-colleague. And four years ago, I decided I'd matured enough in my architectural identity to actually have a voice that I considered truly my own and something that needed to be expressed. You know, finally, I'd found a purpose, you know, and and a solution to this sort of love-hate relationship with architecture. And that's, you know, I was constantly being forced to do it in, in, in another person's way, in another company's way. But finally, now, you know, with my own business and my own identity, it's far more congruent with me, far authentic. And so now I have my own company. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of both architecture and interior design because they're just, they just cohabitate naturally with one another. And we've got, um, there's seven of us in the office. 
And um, we have a lovely studio and I guess you could call it a loft on the ground floor, if you like. Um, it's, one of, it's one of the rare spaces like this in the town where we live. So we're very happy here. And where are you located then? We're in Oakville, um, which is just outside of Toronto, sort of in the, in the greater Toronto area. Um, just part of the urban sprawl, kind of as you go from Toronto around the lake towards Niagara on the Falls, we're sort of on that route. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I've got a client who lives down in Grimsby, so sounds like it's a close proximity. Not sure exactly. How yes, we'll yeah. We'll trim all fine. of that out on the recording, but interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the name of the business is Narrative. Um, talk to me a little bit. How did the name come to be, I guess? Share with us in the background there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of my self-realization with, with my own personal architectural identity is, is just coming to coming to the to the awareness, you know, this is always subconsciously there, but actually coming to the awareness that every building has a story. You know, whether it's whether it's an old warehouse, whether it's um, you know, a school, whether it's an office building. And in my case, because what we do is exclusively residential design, certainly every house has a story. Um, an old house or a new house, it doesn't really matter. So um Obviously, the word narrative is derived from the word narrative with a VE at the end. And, um, you know, the name really encapsulates the purpose behind what we do, which is extracting that story out of our clients and, like, you know, the essence of who they are, finding their own story and turning that into a built form so that the building is an expression of their story. So, um, you know, that we're sort of the, the channel for... For, for turning that, that sort of nebulous idea into a, um, a firm form. I love it. I love it. Uh, the web address for those listening in today, the, her web, website address is www.narrativenarrativ.ca. Wanted to draw your attention to that as you scroll through the website. Um, and Alison, I'm queuing you up to talk about the five values that underpin all of your designs. And, I, and this really resonated with me as I was getting to know you a little bit through your through your online profiles, your website, LinkedIn profiles, et cetera, et cetera. And in these five values, they, they recur throughout the course of your conversation. Um, and, and talk a little bit about that. How, how are these five, five formed? What's the background? How are they, the importance to you? And, and what does it mean to the clientele as well? Yeah, I mean, these all came out of that, that huge soul-searching experience at the time that this company was formed four years ago. Um, and you know, being able to articulate those ideas for me, myself, there was a reference there now and just a constant reminder of what we do. So, you know, it's there, we talk about it in, in the office, uh, you know, from time to time, we, we, we cover it with the staff so that, you know, new people coming in understand where we're coming from. So there, there are really basically five ideas that, um, that, that sort of underpin everything. And the first one, I mean, you'll see these on the website because they're there for everybody to see. Every potential client, we want them to know what it is that's behind what we do. Uh, So the first one is what we call authentic purpose, with the emphasis being on the word purpose. Um, You know, you have to have a reason to get out of bed every morning. Like, that's your purpose, right? And um, what, what we're trying to find, like, the thing that motivates us is the inspiration that comes from our clients. And so this comes back to that story that I was saying, the, the story that we're trying to find and, um, you know, trying to extract, trying to find that story. You know, um, not all clients know their own story. 
And so our skill is kind of psychological. <laughs> they don't teach you psychology at architecture school. They, they really should. <laughs> so, I mean, our, our, it's kind of a mind game at first. It's kind of get inside their heads, feel who they are, help them tell their own story, you know, be that through visuals or words or just us intuiting, you know, maybe going to their homes, um, even just the way they dress. Like every part of that um, gives us clues as to what, what their story is. So um, yes, the, the extraction of that, of that story is really what, what gives us the purpose behind our, our architectural design work and our interior design work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting when you, when you really stop and look at an individual and, and their overall presentation, their home, their car, their clothing, their choice of pets, whether they have kids or not. You know, the, their interests, their life, their desires, you know, even look in the kitchen, you know, look in the refrigerator. <laughs> you can learn a lot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the, the more of those cues that you take um, and and incorporate into the work that you're doing, it, the end result is going to be so much more on point and more exceptional. You know what I mean? Like it just the, those, the attention, attention to those little details that are very much more meaningful to the homeowner, to the client, because you notice. Right. And you, you yeah. took those things into consideration. And I love hearing about those, the, those end result um, success stories of, you know, you, you know like the, you, you didn't even notice that little rock that was on the back, on the, by the sink in the bathroom. Well, that was the rock from my childhood walk on the beach. My father gave to me, you know, like that, that thing. Right. And it's, and it's just a little stone and nobody else would notice this little stone. But the fact that, you know, you as a designer from an architecture standpoint saw that and understood that there was an importance to it and incorporated that in. I think for those of you that really do focus in on those little minute details, the, the exceptional end result is it is really un, un, unrivaled. And for me, the, seeing those and, and hearing about those stories and the reveal is always, you know, that's just kind of like, this. what makes this stuff so cool, you know? <laughs> so I love doing this and hearing yeah. those stories. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, each of us in life, it doesn't matter what, what feel, we all want to feel heard. We all want to feel seen. And the same goes for our clients, you know, and so we have to find that way to make sure that they feel seen and heard inside of this process. Um, and a lot of clients have a fear that they're not going to find someone who can who can see and feel them, you know. So um, you can't prove this ahead of time, you know. <laughs> a client has to come to you with just with faith and, I guess, you know, testimonials and that sort of thing. But um, anyway, our clients can rest assured, you know, we're we're going to go and figure out who they are to the best of our ability, you know, to, to the extent <laughs> that they show us, you know, they really right. have to also show us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. So authentic purpose is number one. Um, timeless quality number two. Yeah. So okay. So um, this whole concept of timelessness—it's a tricky one, you know. And um, personally, I believe that nothing is timeless until it's a hundred years old already, and it's an, an antique. You know, then it can really stand on its own legs, and it's got—it doesn't have doesn't have to prove anything, but. The reality is we're not designing, you know, 100 years ago. We're designing today, here and now, uh, in a context uh, where there are all kinds of fashions, you know. So there's, when people think of fashion, perhaps they're thinking of clothing or furniture, but there is definitely fashion in architecture as well. And the trouble with fashion is that it, it fades, you know. It's, it's hot one minute and then it's, it's, it's unpopular the next. So our... Well, the way I think of our role is to really be conscious of those fashions and those trends and 
design ahead of them. You know, I really need to bring leadership to what we're doing and we need to kind of get our clients out of that mass um, uh, sort of um, aesthetic that they can't help but find themselves in because it's what you see in the magazines, it's what you see on Instagram, it's what you see everywhere around you, you know. Uh, but the trouble is once you're seeing it, it's already starting to date. <laughs> so, um, you know, our job is to really, is to really, you know, um, assist with with leadership and take our clients ahead of that. And the way the way you do that is um, through using the you know per, not perfect materials, but really high quality materials and exceptional detailing and craftsmanship. And then these are all the things that make the difference when you have you know just to say you had two houses side by side, same form, same everything, but you know one is kind of put together with cheap materials and um, not very elegant detailing, but the other one is has got a beautiful choice of materials, uh, superior craftsmanship, just you know subtle choices. You can absolutely see the difference, and um, that's what we try to bring to our projects so that they can really they can really you know, outlive fashion trends. Um, so you know it's detailing. It's also things like color. You know, color choices five seven years ago. Everybody was doing navy, you know, and everyone came to us thinking they're unique because they want to do a navy house. Meanwhile, we've just done five or at least and people try to do five or they came to us and and, and they say, um, I'm so, gray is so me, you know, I'm just, this is so me. But they don't know that they've been manipulated, you know, they don't know that, that uh, subliminally they love gray because that's all they've seen. So, you know, our job is to really, um, take people out of that and so the, the last way of kind of outliving that that sort of trendy thing is to really go authentic you know to go to go back to who your clients are and the, what you know their taste like push aside all of that trendy stuff and really go deeper to to who they really are and I think when you when you start there you have a way better chance of creating something with timelessness yeah, agree. Absolutely agree. It folds nicely into unexpected delight. Yeah. <laughs> to touch on that. <laughs> Honestly, this gives us a little thrill. This is this is another reason why we love what we do. Um, you know, like there's there's no way, even with the fancy 3D drawings of of today's industry, um, like there's no way that you can show a client every part of the building, you know, ahead of time, and once spaces start to become a reality in 3D, like even at the framing stage, but certainly as the projects evolve, you see the, the thrill coming into your client's eyes as they realize, well, they had no idea that they were going to see something here or experience something there. And that little kind of leap in the heart that they get, like it's such a joy for us to watch and to see that. It's it's another reason why we get out of bed every day. Is, um, and it's not like we try and, you know, purposely things from them not at all but you just don't know what people don't know and so when they get to experience these things and they tell you they had no idea this little window was going to be there with that view of that tree or um you know this what it feels like to walk up a stair where there's uh, like a moment right on the stair that uh that they get a little thrill of every time they walk up and down the staircase every day um you know, these are the things that they'll constantly get to experience long after we've gone. 
they'll be walking past those little moments in their buildings that um, really make them connect with their own space and their own their own their own building. And you know, they'll they'll recognize that congruency. That's why probably they'll get that little thrill is because it's a little reflection of them in some way that we've we've managed to capture. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So honest beauty, talk a little bit about about that one. Mm-hmm. You know, we all pursue beauty. It doesn't matter what our field is. Um, and really, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think that's just part of being human is that we seek out beautiful things, be it be it actual material things or be it beautiful spaces or beautiful scenes of nature. I mean, beauty really feels us, makes us feel good, you know, makes our heart um, feel peaceful. And um, so what we're really trying to do is find congruent beauty, you know, everybody's interpretation of beauty is a little bit different. So again, this comes back to finding our our client's story of who they are and, you know, what is for them beautiful because it's the transformation of the beauty that we're trying to achieve, um, you know, and and the difference it makes to our experience of life and how it lifts us out of the mundane and it brings lightness and joy. So, um, and the fact that it's honest means that it's it's not trying to be anything that it isn't. You know, we're we're really trying to, uh, you know, follow that um, that that thread of authenticity. Uh, you know, we're we're probably we're we're not that kind of company that attracts people who are you know trying to make grandiose statements about something that they're not. You know, they're trying to impress their neighbors rather than themselves. Where we you know that's I think. In our messaging, we don't seem to bring on those kinds of projects, which is very conscious. You know, that's that's something I feel comfortable doing. It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't bring me the satisfaction in my job to do that kind of thing where we're just telling a fake story. Like that's that's not what we're about. So it's just finding that that authentic beauty. And there's a quietness to this. You know, it's not trying to be loud or brash, but just quiet mm-hmm. and graceful. Yeah, and I, I really like how you how you phrase things and and the, the 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 thoughtful nature of how you view these projects. I, as where you were talking about honest beauty, you say an honestly beautiful home is not trying to be something it's not it's not, but rather tells its authentic story with grace. And I think when yeah. you put that into the perspective of a home, of a home and tells its authentic story with grace, you know, I, I just I love that. And I, it, for, for me personally, it resonates very, very, very deeply. It was one of the things that uh, when, when Kate introduced me to you, it was like, hey, that this, I like, I, I just, I just really like this philosophy and, and the fact that it's the, the way that you're, that you're presenting the work that you do and, and your philosophies, it's very, it's relatable, right? And there isn't grandiose yeah. language on it. You know, it's, it's, it's relatable to me, whether, whether this is my life style or this is the type of poem that I would go with. That That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm commenting on, commenting on. It's just, it's a very authentic delivery um and a very real conversation and 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 you've commented on that throughout already today but in in the pre-cons as well and and i think that's just one of the things that 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 i appreciate about you so so much is like you you just you just get the sense that when you're talking with allison strickland you're getting the you're you're getting the straight skinny you're you're getting you're getting the course of of your lifetime and and all of the experience that you're bringing to the table but you also are really trying to just really deliver for that person and for their interests and their needs and that's what's most important to them 
And I, and I, just, I love that. I think that's, that's amazing. And that kind of folds nicely into number five, which is integrity. So um, this is a big mm. one for, for you and for the company as well. So, you know, talk, talk a little bit about how this one comes. Mm, this is a big one. This is a big one. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's even, even taken on a more meaning, I think in the last few years, integrity, it's really about, you know, um, in one sense, speaking your truth, like your, your, your honest truth. Um, and, really it's I think it's not just the grounding for the work that we do here it's kind of the grounding for my own life you know I, I just don't like anything that's 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 fake and you know integrity um you know something you can stand by something you can go to sleep knowing um so in the context of building um what that means is doing putting up putting up buildings that do good by the neighborhood and that do good by the earth and, you know, it's bad enough that we're already creating a scar on the earth with every building, you know, like there's part of me that's always had a struggle with that. But as humans, we're also entitled to, to shelter, you know, and, you know, be, that used to be a cave, but nowadays we don't live in caves, you know, we're, we're entitled to create homes and shelter for ourselves, but um, we just need to we just need to be sympathetic and responsible and to honor the ground that we're building on um, and to not be overly greedy with what we're trying to do or overly aggressive and um, disrespectful to the neighborhoods we live in. And, you know, that could be, that could be, yeah, that could be not sticking out like a sore thumb with your ostentatious project. And I'm not saying we all need to dumb ourselves down. I'm really not a fan of that either, but, you know, there's always context. And everything is done um, within a context of, of where we live. So, you know, you have a civic duty to uphold your neighborhood and to uphold the experience of the street you live on. Um, you know, you want beauty in your house, but you want be- you also need beauty in your street and your neighborhood. So, you know, it's bigger than just the house. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 kind of doing your fulfilling your your duty. Um, and then coming back to the client again, you know, the integrity of just their own story remaining the consistent thread throughout the whole project. You know, that's also the integrity. And um, we have to we have to mind ourselves not to not to kind of smother that, you know, but rather to constantly create space for that and to be the channel for that. So it's also just a reminder of ourselves just to keep out of the way a little bit and that fine balance of being a gentle guide or, you know, some, sometimes a firm hand guide. Um, <laughs> but the clients always appreciate it. They, they don't want to put a foot wrong. You know, they, they want to know if, if, if they've missed the mark on something and we're here to make sure that, you know, that, that, they, that they don't do that. Or that they do yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everyone may be appropriate at the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, I want to prompt you on something else. Um, not so far in today's conversation, but previously, you've mentioned, you've, you've mentioned the, the soul energy of, of a space. And so I wanted to, say, to cue you up and ask you to talk a little bit about the soul energy of a space and how you identify, how you cater to and, 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 uh, and deliver on. You know, I guess that's a little bit woo-woo when you talk about it in that way. Um, but I think if you're trying to be an authentic designer, this is a massive part of what you're going to be tapping into. 
And I think that uh, the way I see what we do is we create space. You know, this is really, you know, I might be labeled an architect or sometimes an interior designer when we're doing that kind of work or, you know, whatever it is. But at the end, my role is to create space. And, you know, I think about those moments that moved me and that made me aware of space. And, you know, there were certainly lofty spaces like, you know, cathedrals when I was six years old, seeing those kinds of things for the first time and just getting that awareness of space. You know, I guess, you know, my own house <laughs> Houses that we lived in at the time didn't kind of do that in the same way, but suddenly, you know, feeling the power of, of space and realizing, hmm, some human created this. Um, so uh, that had that had a soul energy. I mean, that might have been a church, but that wasn't really what wasn't really the church story that the cathedral was telling me about. It was really just the power of space, and so that's something that I call soul energy, but it's also feeling, you know, maybe not a church, like let's just call it a house. When you walk into a house that's, you know, of a certain age, doesn't really matter what the age is, it, you can feel the people that lived there before. They've left a shadow of themselves in some way, even if the building's completely vacated. You know, you can, you can, you can, you know, like when I put my feet on, on the floor, I realize many feet have walked on this floor before me. And many people have walked through these doors before me. And you can just feel, I don't want to say they're like ghosts, but there is kind of like this, this sort of um, like a ghost energy of, mm -hmm. of an people that, yeah. But then the house itself has an energy yeah. too, you know, not just, not just the people that were in it, but the house takes on a bit of a life form. And it's funny when, you know, I have a client who has a hundred year old house and, I actually use this in, in my analogy, well, not in analogy, in my conversations with, with clients now is that, you know, there's three of us in this game. There's us as the designer, there's the client homeowner, like as the homeowner, and then there's the house, like if this is a renovation, right? And sometimes the house just won't let you do things, you know, it's just, it's just not going to make it easy for you to do something. <laughs> so, it's going to resist okay. at every turn. House, yeah, like the house is speaking, but yeah, I mean, if you really quiet yourself, you can pick up all of these things and you can just, that's that's the, the soul energy. And then, you know, for the newer houses, we're creating new energy. So um, this is, this is forward-facing energy and um, we want to keep it clean, you know. We, we don't want to be creating spaces with complicated, toxic energy. You know, we really want to create a healthy life space going forwards for people living in these homes. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's what that okay. that whole concept means to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you are known for your drawings, um, and obviously that is the basis of any good design um, comes from the planning and the preparation, and that's what goes into goes into those. But talk a little bit about your philosophy for um, for your, the drawings that you do, how you uh, and it, and how that's kind of become a little bit of a signature for you, and uh, just the importance that you that you put on those. Well, remembering that when I was at university and kind of learning my trade, so to speak, this was in the 90s. And, you know, computer technology was only just beginning to enter the fray. So, you know, all, all of our work was done by hand. And so, you know, my hand with the pen, like this is my tool. Um, 
obviously it's connected up through my arm to my head, which is where the creative part of the, the body resides. I cannot design any other way than with a pen in my hand, you know, because you can draw a line on the same piece of paper, like 10 different ways. It could be a soft line. It could be a heavy, thick line right on top of the old line. And so you can build up these layers of lines and just like let your creativity flow. And, you know, the lines like the harder the line is, the more permanent it is. So this is the line that's staying as we move forwards. So that process um, of, of drawing by hand, that's how I get information out of my head down onto the paper, you know, and then I can sort of see is this working or not. And, you know, this is how you experiment with the spaces. If you do this, if you do this on a computer, you draw a line, a line is a line. It's a, you know, it's, it's not a, a soft line or a hard line. You're committing too soon as far as I'm concerned. You need to be able to have that freedom on paper before before you lock into you know, your final choice of where that line needs to be. Um, uh, so, so the drawings I'm creating are hand drawings, and I also find honestly the, the clients love them. For starters, they love they love seeing a good old fashioned hand drawing, but they come to life more than. And again, a computer hard line drawing, be it a 2D drawing or even a 3D drawing. I mean, you need to put a lot of work into a 3D drawing. Whereas my my hand drawings can tell a story like quickly with just a few lines. You know, it's the they're just a little freer. And you know, I'm not committing to every single line on there. It's, it's a little bit uh, fluid still, but you instantly get the look and the feel of a space and or not just even that just say it's the exterior of a house for example you get the look and the feel and um so much better than those same lines would appear on a computer drawing so like why wouldn't i do this like why why wouldn't i get my story out the most efficient way possible um in a way that that the clients enjoy looking at um yeah and you know, again, as far as the floor plan is concerned, um, everything's to scale. It's not like they get drawings that are, that are out of whack. I mean, it's all, let's call it scientifically thought out. It's just not technical yet. So, um, yeah, those those drawings really seem to resonate with clients in, in the way that they can tell the story of what we're proposing. Yeah, I, I've heard that actually a number of times. My sister-in-law is, is an architect and, she, and she's in the same same. Same, same boat. She's got a little bit of CAD under under her belt now, but but she, fundamentally she's she's kind of opposed to it, and she doesn't enjoy the process as much when it's when it's fully computerized. She really enjoys the creativity and, like you said, the fluidity of not being locked into the to the to the thing, right? Yeah. You know, and it just it, it feels it feels more creative and more um, more capable of unfolding um, as yeah. the process goes, you know. And I think there's there's a finality to some of the formality um, of of the way things are done, just in general, whether you know it's an architect's design or, or over in my world of, of technology, it's the same, totally the same thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it, it, it I don't know, I mean, it, it, it's one of the things that just resonates with with me, and I love it as well. So, um, can I talk a little bit about the the business climate, kind of segueing, you know, for, from drawing? So, what what does what is the the current business climate looking like? You're in Canada, um, but you know, your 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 local market or or more, more broadly spoken, um, what are people looking for? What, you know, is it is it really, are, are we still being kind of fashion driven or is there something else that is sort of pushing consumer interest right now, at least in the work that you're seeing and the inquiries that you're getting or what clients are coming to you with? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying that um, the market's still robust here. Um, you know, I feel like we're on the cusp of something happening, but nobody knows quite what. Um, it's it's not as crazy as it was, you know, six months ago, a year ago, thank heavens, because that was not sustainable anyway. So, and also the, the lifespan of our projects is long, you know, it's a year or two or sometimes three. So, you know, that does give us um, a bit of, uh, you know, it takes up, it, it knocks off the highs and the lows and kind of gives us that, that sort of even spread. Um, but in terms of what people are looking for, what they're coming to us for, uh, we still have... We still have a lot of, you know, we always done renovations and, and new builds, both, and, and interiors too. Um, I'd say there's still a strong market for the new builds. I think people who are building new are in a, in a kind of a, a different price bracket to start with. The renovations, I'd say that's, those projects are, are, are the ones that are struggling to, um, uh, you know, become a reality because usually people are renovating because they have a budget. And the trouble is with all the inflation that we've seen in the last year uh, in construction specifically, but everywhere else too, but a lot of the renovation budgets just can't be met with the quotes, you know, and, um, you know, there used to be like a magic number that people would come to us. It's always seemed to be around you know, 300,000 and they had this wish list. And in the past, you know, they could just make it. But now those numbers are coming in, like the, the quotes are coming in twice as much. And that, that's a big stretch wow. when you're already maxing yourself out. So I think those people that are, that are doing a project that's, that's really pushing the limits of what they can afford, those are the projects that are, that are faltering. And, and um, you know, we've definitely had one project that just caved because of that and, and another one that just keeps getting cut back and cut back and cut back. So... That's the reality in the renovation market. Uh, the interior design market, I think, is is still pretty strong. Um, that one, I think, it's because you can go room by room or project by project. You can you can break those projects down into uh, realistic smaller entities. You know, you're not committing to a whole house. So, um, at, at at a smaller level, those projects are still ongoing. But um, you know, we're also doing them as part of our our new build, so we kind of create our own work in that way. Um, yeah, and yeah, in terms of what people are wanting, I think the you know the the big house, the the massive house thing, and maybe that's just because of our messaging as well. That's not really you know our, our kind of client side. So people are looking for houses that um, will suit their family needs. I mean, if they're building new, especially they they want you know they've got a bunch of things they want to have included in in their new build. But they're also not wanting to, you know, go crazy in terms of size or expense. And um, they're willing to consider materials that beforehand or, well, let's just say like a material like stone used to be something with a, with a lot of like cachet to it. But, you know, that's a lot of people are rather just looking at craftsmanship of, of wood materials, like siding and that sort of thing as a perfectly acceptable alternative now, whereas, you know, there was a time where you had to have the stone band around the bottom and that sort of thing, <laughs> so, which I was never a fan on anyway, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about, how, about, uh, how about extending the, the indoor 
um, lifestyle to the outdoors or expanding uh, usable oh, yeah. footage by. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the great outdoors. <laughs> well, okay. Bearing in mind that this is a this is a country with a long winter. Summers are still hot and 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 beautiful. Uh, you know, that indoor outdoor living is still very much part of of you know what what's on the wish list of, of every client that comes to us. So that would look like a covered porch, for example, with um, you know, retractable screens to manage the bugs and uh, and maybe we would have well certainly a fireplace. And maybe even you know heaters in the ceiling to kind of extend that that ability to enjoy the outdoor space. So it's a strong, it's just like it's almost on every single wish list. And when people don't ask me for that, I just remind them that they haven't asked me for that. <laughs> they probably want that. It hasn't been asked yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know yeah. things. There are other things that have that have come and gone. Like there was there was a time when um, uh, everybody wanted. Uh, a wine cellar and now I find that occasionally we can ask for that but most people are just fine with a nice fridge you know um so that that's one thing that's that's uh changed um a lot of people are now wanting more separation between the rooms so instead of that that whole open plan living concept they want some rooms enclosed a little bit you know we haven't gone we haven't quite gone back to the you know every single room enclosed, but certainly um, there's, we, we have a few more rooms that are enclosed now that's, that weren't before where everything was just open plan. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so there's always trends that, that, that come yeah. and go. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the, the, the wine cellar. And it, so a couple of things on, on that is wine cellar hasn't come up in conversation on any of my podcasts now in two years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So this just and and it, until you mentioned it, it that's like oh my gosh, I had I hadn't even realized that that really hasn't been a topic of conversation. You're no. not seeing it in publication. You're not seeing a lot of social media about it. I mean, you do, but I think it's yeah. still is you know it's it's that look at what I have scenario um, where where I am seeing them or or the difficulty in creating the space and getting to it. So you know, there's a, a property in Southern California we we did a show about and. The homeowner is a basketball player, I think, and so they had they had tunneled under to a space adjacent to where the the pool was, and they had a tunnel that went from the house to the wine cellar, and it just uh-huh. happened to be right next to the pool. And so the story about it was really cool, and that was you know, and they obviously had the funds to be able to do it, and the property that would allow for such a thing. Um, but that was like that's the only one that I've heard of. So, but it's interesting that you mentioned the refrigerator. So now that kind of that that ties into my my next question, which is so technology, right? Um, technology for me in in my world, residential technology is entirely different than than, than likely what we're going to be talking about here. But re- refrigeration, you know, appliances, the quality of appliances has gotten so much so much better. Um, I don't know that a seller is as needed now because of the, all of the different options that you you have with those appliances from from size to um, componentry to where they can be, where they can be installed. Um, you know, just from a consumer standpoint, those are the things that are that are visible to me. So now, kind of pick up on that a little bit, and and just sort of talk about technology as it's as it's transitioned a bit in your world. Um, and then I'll ask you a couple more things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like maybe just sticking with the wine for for a little bit longer. Um, you know, a wine fridge is now a really sexy looking appliance. So it it doesn't matter if you have it in your kitchen or in some cases. The pantry or the surgery, um, even the the 
you know, those appliance brands that have been around for, for decades, like the Sub-Zeros, I mean, they've improved their look so much. You know, you don't have that ugly lubed vent at the top, which was always a massive eyesore. Um, so the, the, the standards have really risen from an aesthetic level and um, I, let's call it a performance. I'm assuming that technology is always improving, although that's not so much, you know, what we're looking at. We're, um, that's at the, the point of purchase, really. I suppose, and then long-term performance. Um, <clears throat> yeah, where, where we kind of get into technology, I, I guess we're, we're trying to hide it a lot of the time um, or make sure that it's uh, not screaming at you. Um, yeah, in terms of, 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 of appliances, like I guess it's more an aesthetic and a performance thing. Uh, I, I don't see anybody looking for appliances with you know tvs built into them or, or that sort of thing like that's not happening at, at the level that, that we're operating at mm-hmm. um and most people just seem to defer to the tried and tested uh appliances not fancy you know okay we have a few clients who like they're they're sort of off-piste fancy <laughs> geeky things but for the most <laughs> part it's it's run of the mill um you know Side by side, fridge and freezer, or even top and bottom. Uh, the stove is one area where I think people really like to make a statement. So you know, if they if they enjoy cooking with gas, we're still looking at you know large gas burners, thirty six inches and more, like up to up to sixty in some cases. Not most people are sort of in the thirty six to forty eight uh, inch size. Um, yeah, wall ovens are still featuring their. Um, Microwaves are kind of getting hidden away, you know, in the pantry. Most most projects we, we have have a have a walk-in pantry of some sort, so the microwave goes there. Um, I'd say the, the other kind of technology that's that's relevant um, that uh, I would say we, we have to sort of struggle with, but, you know, we have to kind of coordinate with is um, lighting and automation. Yeah. So there's, you know, some clients are really geeky on that stuff and then others really want to keep it as simple as and as intuitive as possible. So they don't want the fancy moods for this room and that room and uh, they just want to keep things, you know, you walk into a room and you, and you hit a switch and your light goes on and <laughs> they're not intimidated by that. You know, they can, yeah. they don't have to like stress when they're just walking through a door to turn on the light. So a lot of clients just want to uh, try it and true. And um, maybe some will have, you know, a couple of room settings that are just very, very simple technology. Um, yeah, and then, you know, a lot do want the automation for the window coverings and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I was curious about window coverings and if motor, motorization there is, is increasing in interest or desire or? Yeah, it, it, it's increasing. Um, I would say, and I think the motorization technology is becoming better and less bulky. And, you know, beforehand, we had to try and bury these things inside the wall and it really caused, like, not difficulty, but, you you know, you had to know well ahead of time that you were going to be doing this, whereas yeah. now we can just bring an electrical wire just as a roughing point for, you know, future blind installation, and that's and that's good enough. So it's gotten a little easier uh, from our point of view. Um, yeah, it's all there. Okay. Okay. Good. 
Oh, my dear. Well, we we have we've kind of worked our way through the, the the list of topics that we had planned to talk about this morning, and I'm looking at the at the clock, and I know um, you've you've got a you've, you've got to cut here pretty soon, and I do as well. So I hate to cut the conversation down, but let's let's kind of shift into to, to wrap up here a little bit. Um, if you would revisit um, all the different places that people can find, follow, and engage with your company, how to contact you, your team, etc basically for inquiries, where would you like people to find, find more information? Yeah, they, they can go to our website, which is www.narrative.ca. And there are forms there that will uh, enable you to connect with us, um, send us an inquiry. Or we are, or I am on Instagram. It's at Alison Strickland. So that's my name, all in one word. Um, those are probably the best two places um, to find us. I mean, we're on LinkedIn too, but I think these are the easiest ones for most people to reach us at. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, Allison, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to share a little bit about your company, your background, philosophy, all the things. It just has been really, really nice to get to know you and, and just to hear your hear your story and hear you um, you know, talk, walk through your process a, a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not in your trade, so it's always really fascinating to to see how the mind works and see, you know, the, the work that you do. But it's also, you know, from a, from an adjacent trade, residential technology is, is that's my sandbox. But it's always just really interesting to hear the the, the challenges that you guys face, um, how you're working through those, what clients are looking for, those kinds of things. So that, you know, we can all learn from each other. Um, and, you know, it's sort of a bit really interesting as to how things are being applied out in the field right now, you know, given all the challenges that we have. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's been quite the quite the last few years, but um, congratulations on your continued success and and the growth of your company. Really well, thanks, great Katie. Thank, thanks for having me on the show. It was a real um, fun experience chatting to you, and it's always a little bit self indulgent and self indulgent <laughs> to be able to you know, speak about yourself and your company on a whole platform dedicated to you. But so thanks. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And listeners, thank you for taking time out of your day for for taking another episode of Connecting Tech and Design. I hope you've appreciated and enjoyed this conversation with Allison Strickland of Narrative. Do uh, check out her website, find and follow her on social. And if there's a topic that you would like to explore for an upcoming episode of Connecting Tech and Design, just reach out, shout out, let's have the conversation and let's help tell your story to as we have with Allison today. In the meantime, take good care and I will catch you on another episode of Connecting Tech and Design. Thanks so much.